everybody, it's Kindle from Recording Lounge. It is January 13th, 2014. Happy New Year, everyone. Glad that you are joining us today. I'm glad to have you guys as listeners. I'm hoping that uh, you'll continue to listen throughout the year. I hope that you stay involved and uh, become a part of the Recording Lounge family. So um, just an extra thanks goes out to you guys for uh, being supportive, and I'm, I hope you like the show. I, I, I've been getting some just great emails about you know people like the show or they have questions or comments, and so I really appreciate those. Um, okay, so a little bit of news before we start getting, get, uh, getting to the meat of the show, which I think you guys will like today. Um, the biggest things that have been going on in my life right now I just finished building my new studio, which I am currently sitting in, and uh, this has been a project that's been going on for quite a while, and I don't even know if I mentioned it on the show, actually, but that's what I've been doing for the last four or five months, is uh, in addition to recording full-time and doing the show, and I've been building a new studio for myself, which is finally finished, and I'm very, very happy with it. I love the space. Um, it's... It's beautiful. It's just what I need. It's not too big. It's not too small. And uh, the tracking room sounds gorgeous. I'm really, really excited about uh, all the projects I'm going to do in here. And uh, it's been an awesome journey. I've learned a whole lot through this whole process. Things that work, things that don't, you know, things you can read about online that are good theories, but in practice don't necessarily work or vice versa. And, um, you, you know, a theory that sounds crazy and then it happens to work great. So anyway, um, I've been working on that and uh, it's been one heck of a ride, but I'm excited also to do some really cool shows in here because um, this tracking room sounds gorgeous and I love it and it's going to be, there's a lot of room to do more more recording and, and just, oh, I don't have to add reverb plugins to things anymore. Uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, I can actually vary the acoustics of the room. I can vary the decay time. The treatments I have are all rotatable. So um, I can vary the decay time in the room from about a second and a half down to about half a second, and which is really nice. I can add more or less ambience depending on what I need um, without, you know, with taking five minutes to adjust the treatment. And uh, it's awesome. I love it. The room's still nice and tight. And um, it's about 4,200 cubic feet, so um, it's got a nice open sound, but it's not. I didn't want something too big because a, it's going to cost a lot, and b, um, I wanted a decay time that was a specific time. I wanted about an average of about 0.7 seconds for decay time, because that's usually what I like on rock music. is about that long for rock stuff on drums or on guitars or whatever. And so I said, you know what, why not just design a room that can get that decay time easily? So about average is about 0.6, 0.7 seconds for the decay time. And it's nice and even. It sounds beautiful. It's very linear in the decay. Um, I love it. Sounds amazing on drums. And I don't have to add plugins. I just turn up the room mics if I need more reverb. So I couldn't be happier with it. I'm Like I said, I'm also very excited to do some new shows in the room. Um, you know, cool new drum shows and... Uh, it would be really neat to do, you know, all kinds of stuff, really. But um, so that's that. Uh, I really appreciate the messages. So keep them coming. If you want to hear a show, if you have a question, 
Um, if you have a suggestion or a comment, email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Anytime, any question um, from basically any part of the world, I will try to help you and or make a show to answer your question and or, you know, if I don't know the answer, I will send you to someone that I think might. So stay involved. The Facebook page, check that out. Um, check out the blog every now and then and uh, just yeah, I look forward to seeing more of you guys this year, and I hope you look forward to hearing more shows. So today's show is about something I'm going to call guitar recording logistics. So I'm not talking about, you know, what mic to use or what amp to use or what guitar. We've talked about that a little bit on various shows here and there. So what I'm more talking about is how do I get the sound from the guitar to the amp? And the most efficient way to do that, because some people like to put, you know, the amp in the live room and they're in the control room, or some people will put, you know, the amp right on top of the cab and stand right next to the amp. Some people will run pedals. Some people will, you know, run long speaker lines, run long guitar lines, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to look at a couple of the common ways to uh, do that and what I think are the best sounding ways. Now, there are a couple products that do this already that are sort of meant to be guitar recording systems. Things like the Radial SGI, which is great by the way. I've used it personally and I don't own one because I feel like I can get the same result doing something that I do, which I'll show you later. Um, And hopefully you guys should be able to do too, uh, as long as you have a direct box. Now I'm not positive about this. It might not work the way that, you know, I I can't predict every scenario, but We'll get to that. So basically, the scenarios that I have recorded um, of different guitar methods are the ideal scenario, which is the guitar with a short cable, like eight feet into an amp, um, straight in with a short speaker cable, about two feet, goes straight in to the cabinet and recorded with an SM57 through a Neve preamp. Pretty standard guitar chain you know, very hard to argue with, that is our control, basically. So that's the ideal. No pedals, no long runs, everything is a short run, Um, everything is very tight and confined, the cables are all Mogami, and uh, it's just good quality signal. So that's our control for this experiment. Then the other that we have, we have long speaker cable run. So let's say you put the head in the control room, and you want to be able to tweak it, while you're sitting there and then you have the cab out in the live room and you run, you know, a 50 foot or 25 foot or however long that is speaker cable. Then we also have a long guitar cable run. So you put the head out there and you put a short speaker cable, let's say two feet, and then you run a, you know, 30, 40, 50 foot guitar cable. Then we also have, just for demonstration, we have two that are a little bit worse than that. So we have a long speaker cable and a long guitar cable. So 50-foot speaker cable, 50-foot guitar cable, 100 feet of cable total. Then we have long speaker cable, long guitar cable, and a pedal board, which is seemingly a lot of what people will do on a live setup in a big stage. Um, Not necessarily big artists that have, you know, the money to afford a very nice, complex rig setup, but talking about if, you know, people play at their church or they play at local venues, you know, they might keep the head on stage, the cab in the back room, and their pedal board is all there. That's sort of like, you know, 
can be good and bad. And then we've got another situation, which is sort of our homemade SGI. So basically what an SGI is, is an active direct box that then goes into a reamper and it converts the signal into a balanced XLR cable, which can sustain a lot longer cable runs and a lot less interference than a guitar cable. So it basically is like you plug in your guitar to this send box that uh, is basically an active direct box and it's powered by an adapter and see most active direct boxes are powered by phantom power so you can't really do that with a, your regular active direct box um, so you run into this box and then it has a mic cable output you go from that to the other box the other box is basically the reverse of that so it converts the balance signal back into a regular you know um, guitar level signal um, high Z and so then that goes right into the amp and that box is basically passive so you have this sort of send receive network going on and you can apparently run something like 500 feet of cable uh, with this setup and uh, without without getting signal loss so they say something like that 300 500 feet of cable something ridiculous well these are like $150-$200 for this type of setup and uh, I have sort of my own way of doing that that um, provided that you have a couple of mic preamps already um, you can probably do it with maybe oh gosh one mic cable and a little adapter cable that you can build yourself for maybe 10 bucks or you can buy online so we'll talk about that later but let's go ahead and get into this I want you to hear um, the difference between these and how they sound. Okay, so this is our control. This is, remember, a guitar, which is a uh, Telecaster with P90 pickups with Rio Grande uh, Dirty Harrys uh, in the middle position. So it's got two Dirty Harrys and it's in the middle position of those two, so it's like a P90 type sound. Um, and it's running into a Dumble clone and it's just guitar, cable, amp, cable, speaker. That's it. Very short runs, 8-foot guitar cable, 2-foot um, speaker cable. This is our control, meaning, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve because we know that this is like, if you can do this, this is the best case scenario, generally. Okay, so sounds pretty good, right? Just keep in mind how attacky that was, how clear the attack was, and um, also the amount of distortion, because if we lose gain on the way there, it will be less distorted. Um, just listen to it one more time, and you will be able to tell. Just I'll give you I'll give you it one more time so you can remember the sound. Here it is. <laughs> So let's go to the usual preference of people, which is to, you know, run a long speaker cable run. In general, it's kind of agreed upon forums and whatnot that when in doubt, this is much better 
than running a long guitar run because what's coming out of the head is a lot higher power with a lot more force and uh, with strength of signal, so to speak, than what's coming out of your guitar. So this is what it sounds like to have a long speaker cable run. This is 50 feet of speaker cable, um, short guitar cable uh, to the head, you know, eight foot, but then 50 feet out to the cab. So here's what that is. Okay, so that sounds pretty good. Now, it's a little hard unless you have the files to AB, and if you want the files, if you guys really want to hear the files, you can AB them. Um, I could upload a zip file, maybe, or something like that, so you could download them. But uh, what I have noticed in the past with long speaker runs to be prepared for is a loss in tightness and punch in the low end. Now, it's not something that you could really hear on that demo, like I said, unless you AB'd, but it's just a little less... Um, the attack is a little smoothed over on things. It's not as punchy and um, the top end is still pretty clear and the distortion is good. Uh, it's not really that fizzy or anything, but uh, you lose a little bit of punch in the low end and you'll especially notice this at high gain and especially if you're doing like palm muted guitar chords, you know, chug, chug, chug stuff. Um, that is going to start to get a little loose and not as, not as tight uh, with a long speaker run. Um, now luckily the general, like, you know, impression of the tone is pretty darn close to short guitar run, short speaker run. So if you had to do one just, uh, you know, quickly, like a quick and dirty, that's probably the best way to go. Obviously keep the cables as short as you can, you know, keep the guitar cable, you know, under 20 feet, and keep the speaker cable 20 feet if you can or below. Um, but, you know, in this demonstration, I used a, I believe, a 40 or 50 foot cable. So just try to keep the cables as short as you can. But in general, a long speaker run is always better than a long guitar run. So, because I'm about to play you the long guitar run. And you'll notice how much darker and fuzzier and not good it got. So this is 50 feet of guitar cable. So it got fizzy on top end and like it's weird it got darker but also fizzy and it just sounds bad the gain is a little reduced um i'll play them back and forth between the control and the long guitar cable so i'll play first control and then in the middle i'll switch it to long guitar cable and you'll hear it change <laughs> So yeah, not great. That is not what you want to do, run a long guitar cable. Now a lot of guys will use a buffer, which is a little pedal that essentially boosts your signal before it goes out to the amp. And sometimes these can really work well. Like sometimes um, it can really provide that sort of amount, extra amount of gain to help boost the signal over that long of a run. 
However, that to me is kind of a band-aid and also kind of a waste of money. I mean, you could get a long speaker cable for like 40 bucks and a buffer for guitar is usually like 100. So, I mean, and to my ear, they sound almost identical to do that. Because really, you're you're just kind of putting a band-aid on it. You're boosting your guitar signal sort of like abnormally high so that when it loses gain, it sounds normal again. Like that to me just doesn't make sense. It's like how about you just don't lose gain? Like you're buying a pedal to make it sound normal. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's just my opinion. But um, – and plus, I mean, I, there's like nothing inside of those things. I mean it's the simplest little circuit and they charge $100 for it uh, on another note. So anyway, um, the next that you're going to hear is a long speaker cable and a long guitar cable. Um, so this is – a little worse still and uh, I'll play you the control and then I'll play you the long speaker cable and long guitar cable this is the control yeah see that got really fizzy on the sustain it got all gritty and nasty and there wasn't as much punch, there wasn't as much low end, there definitely wasn't as much top end. And uh, make sure to be listening to these on, on good speakers too. Um, that'll really help. And again, if you had the files to AB, you could really tell. Um, so the next one we're going to play is using long cables, the same, basically the same one that we had there, but uh, with a pedal board. So again, this can be good or bad because sometimes pedal boards will add a bunch of, you know, they obviously add a bunch of length because there's wiring through the pedals. And if you use all true bypass pedals, that's actually not always a good thing because there's no buffering to allow the signal to be boosted while it's going through all those. And a lot of pedals these days have buffers built into them. It's called buffered bypass. Um, and so like all boss pedals are are buffered bypass and there's a lot of pedals out there that are true bypass but don't believe the myth that true bypass is the best because sometimes it's not um as you heard there that's the that that was the equivalent of 50 feet of guitar cable and 50 feet of speaker cable now what you're about to hear is the same thing the same setup plus a pedal board with a mixture of true bypass and buffered bypass pedals <laughs> So I'm going to let you compare now between long speaker run, long guitar run as A and long speaker run, long guitar run plus pedal board as B. So the first thing you'll hear is no pedal board. Second thing you'll hear is with the pedal board. And you'll actually hear that in this case, because there are some buffered pedals um, on the board, you'll actually get some of that top end back. So check it out. First is no pedals. Second is with. And keep in mind that none of the pedals are on. It's just running through them. Mm -hmm. 
So you can definitely hear that some of the top end came back because like my boss tuner pedal has a buffered bypass and um, I've got my wah pedal that is true bypass. I've got a Wampler Ego compressor that I'm not really sure what it is. Honestly, I think it's true bypass. Um, but I have a couple of drives that are buffered bypass also. So that helps to sort of boost the signal a little bit. Now, keep in mind, this might hurt the signal in other ways. It might actually be cutting low end and boosting the gain. So yes, you have your top end back, but now you're losing low end. So it is a catch-22, and uh, it's always a hard decision for how to deal with people with pedal boards, because sometimes the pedal boards um, can really add a lot of noise, a lot of gain, uh, but not in a good way. So the first thing I usually do whenever someone comes in with a pedal board, or if you're ever trying to troubleshoot your pedal board, the best thing you can do is plug straight into the amp with like a 20-foot guitar cable, okay? Then record that sound. Just hear what it sounds like. Play something that you can repeat over and over and play it almost identical every time. Then try to get two 10-foot cables, okay? And run one to your pedal board and one to the amp. So now you have the same length of guitar cable, but you have a pedal board in between now. And turn all your pedals off, but make sure the signal's running through. And record the same part and that way you can really hear okay wow just running through my pedal board this is the sound that it's making and you can tell do I need a buffer pedal do I need more buffered bypass pedals do I need to buy a buffer see in this scenario when you have to use a buffer for your pedal board um, and you've already got all these true bypass pedals it can be a good idea to buy a buffer because that way you don't have to like get rid of some pedals or anything, you can just buy a buffer to help with that. Um, because if you've already got all your pedals the way you want them and you're losing a bunch of signal, the first thing to check out is your cables. So make sure that all your cables are, are high quality cables. Um, I prefer soldered cables, not solderless cables. The solderless cables to me have a, a tendency to fail more often. Um, even though I love lava cable and I love George L's, they just tend to fail more often than they should. And they're also very thin, which, you know, pros and cons. But I prefer to make guitar cables myself and make them exactly how long I need them and solder the ends on so it's a solid connection. And um, so make sure all your cables are good. Make sure that they are not, you know, crackly or losing volume. Make sure the jacks on all of the pedals are secured tightly and they're not getting crackly because little tiny bits of crackliness from a jack can add up to a fizzy guitar tone and that's no good we don't want that we don't want splat 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 on the top end um so anyway check that out and if you know if you're losing signal on your on your pedals first of all try to try to deduce what's happening is it a cable thing do you just have a lot of pedals and you need to use a buffer which in that scenario can really help um one of my favorite buffers for this is actually the Empress buffer. Um, but just two days ago, my Empress buffer failed. Now, when it worked, it sounded better than any buffer I've used because it puts your pedal board on a send and return. So it buffers what goes to the pedal board and then it buffers what goes to the amp. So it's almost like a dual buffer. And it was like 150 bucks. I had the Buffer Plus from Empress. But I don't know if it got a 
you know, a voltage surge or something, um, I'm going to contact Empress to see if they will replace it because I love that pedal. And for some random reason, it died at a gig yesterday. Um, have no idea why. I know that's not necessarily the best testament to, uh, you know, its quality, but I, sh I assure you when it, when it was working, which has been totally solid for the last year, um, it sounds great. And uh, JHS makes a buffer. A bunch of companies are making buffers now. And anyway, so the next couple of files I'm going to show you are when you throw some direct boxes into the mix to convert the signal to a balanced mic level signal. And I had a little bit of issues because uh, I've read online this can be done with two passive direct boxes. So basically, you run your guitar into a direct box converts it to a mic line, you run that to another direct box, flipped essentially in reverse um, with a gender, a gender changer adapter, plug into the mic jack on that, and go out the guitar jack. Well, I tried that and it didn't really work well. Uh, in fact, it sounded like this. Yeah, what's up with that? So, I don't know if I hooked it up wrong or whatever, but I, I knew that there was a better solution than that anyway. Two passive DIs, it can work, but the passive DIs sometimes, I don't know. I'm a big fan of active DIs, so I decided, you know what, I'll just go straight for the active DI and a reamper. So basically, what I did was run into an active direct box, and uh, then out of that going into a radial reamp box, which is basically a passive DI in the other direction. But um, that way um, you're using an active DI to boost your signal, it goes through the mic line, goes to the radial reamp box, and it converts it and um, goes back to guitar level signal, a high Z signal, and goes into the amp from there. And I ran basically 50 feet of mic cable and a 10 foot guitar cable at the front end and a 10 foot guitar cable at the end. So we're running through 60 feet of cable. This is the most cable we've run through um, other than the pedal demonstration. And this is how it sounds. And to me, um, that sounds pretty good. Let's compare it to the control. I'm going to play the control first, and then this. It actually had more gain than my guitar signal did by default. Um, it actually added a little more distortion to the amp. So, I mean, it had plenty of power running all that distance. And um, so that's a good sign. Um, I mean, I could have totally just left it like that and then adjusted my amp from there, which is a nice thing. Um, that way you were able to run a short speaker run so you keep the tightness of the low end intact and you're able to run a short guitar run to the active DI and then run out from there to the amp. So one great way to accomplish this is to buy 
a, an active direct box, such as like a Countryman DI, Countryman Type 10 or Type 85, which is powered by a 9-volt battery. You can keep that on your pedal board if you want to. And then um, also buy a radial reamp box that will basically convert it from a mic level to a high Z um, output, which will allow you to put that on top of your amp, or some guys even will screw it into their amp or something like that. Um, I don't want to do that, but you can set it on top of your amp and run a short little, you know, one foot cable into the head and short cable from the head to the cab and then run a mic cable between the two. Now, you might be saying, that's ridiculous. That's so complicated. Why can't I just plug into my amp and play? Well, yeah, of course, that's the ideal scenario. But um, in my studio, for example, I have a control room that is... Um, not far away, but far enough away from the live room where I want to be able to put the, you know, put, play my guitar sitting at the desk and then have the amp in the other room so it's not going to interfere with the tones that I'm getting. And I want to be able to actually hear the sound from the mic as I'm playing so I can tweak my guitar or my pedals or, uh, you know, go in and tweak the head if I need to. And uh, so keep in mind, to me, in my order of, you know, best sound, the number one is guitar straight into the amp, straight into the cab with short cables. I think that's that's why I used it as the control. I think it has the best sound. It's the punchiest. It's the clearest. Um, it definitely sounds like my guitar. And um, the second best to me would be using an active direct box and running from there uh, out through a mic cable into the amp in the live room with a short speaker cable and uh, from the mic cable to a reamp box like the radial reamp and uh, which I think is about a hundred bucks or depending on which one you use a, pa a passive direct box with uh, with a gender changer changer on the cable because the output will be different it will be um, on that end of the cable it it will need to be a male end but the direct box will not it'll have a male out um, so yeah, that wouldn't work. So you'd have to get a rewire that into the cable or whatever, or just get the radial reamp box that has the correct input. And the third would be the third best would be to, uh, run a long speaker cable and a short guitar cable. So those are the top three. Any of those three, I think will provide a great sound. Um, but keep in mind the speaker cable running a long speaker cable can not always, but can, um, cause some squishy low end syndrome. It won't be as tight. Um, so if you're doing metal or doing anything that needs really tight chucks, um, just try to stick to number one or two. And the worst sounding ones, the ones you should definitely avoid, are running long cables with a pedal board um, or long cables in general. So a long guitar cable and a long speaker cable. Um, those, those, when you run that, uh, it's just no good. And the worst sounding was probably running long cables for both because you lose a little bit of bottom end, you lose a bit of top end, and it just, you lose gain, you don't have as much of a signal, and you have a really, it, it gets fizzier. It's kind of hard to explain, but uh, you heard the demo. I mean, it sounded fizzier and sort of splatty. And so try to avoid that at all costs. And um, if you do need to run a long guitar line, 
then I highly suggest doing it with a direct box setup with the uh, active direct box and then a reamp box or passive direct box and gender changed cable. And, um, and if you have to run a long speaker line, I advise you to run it as short as possible. 20 feet would be great, but um, any longer than that, you'll start to get squishy low end and sometimes even, you know, with that. Another note is if you are going to run a long speaker cable, try to run the heavy gate, the biggest gauge that you can, which is a smaller number, but it's a thicker cable. So the smaller the gauge, the, you know, 12 gauge cable is thicker than a 16 gauge cable. So try to run the biggest physical speaker cable uh, that seems logical, which I think in my experience for guitar is 14 gauge speaker cable and uh, that you can actually wire into a quarter inch end. And if you use a bigger cable, it generally will sound better than using a thin little tiny, you know, 50 foot speaker cable you can get at Guitar Center. Um, it's much cheaper to make one yourself than to buy um, a pre-made 14 gauge. That's really hard to find, especially that long. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind. I hope that this has given you some things to think about. Again, if you if you guys are interested in having me post those files so you can AB them yourself, um, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, I will say, uh, another option for you to do the active DI thing is if you have mic preamps in your studio that have a quarter inch in, let's say for example, uh, Universal Audio 610 or 710 or an API 512 or I'm pretty sure some of the Golden Age stuff has that. Um, I know that quite a few preamps these days are putting a quarter inch in on the front. So here is a great way to do this. You can run your guitar cable into the preamp and uh, set your gain where you need it to where it's not clipping or anything. And then out of the back, um, run that to a mic cable and that will go, so you, or put it in a patch base system, that works too, and run that out to a reamp box. And again, if you're using a passive DI, which should work, you will have to get a ginger changer adapter to go into the input of that. Um, or you can get a radial reamp box. So if you already have mic preamps with a quarter inch in, you should be able to do this. Um, again, so plug guitar to the mic pre with the quarter inch jack. Um, from the output of that, go out with a mic cable to a reamp box. Then from there, go into the amp. And I tested a little bit just for proof of concept, and it sounds great. And in fact, I actually drove the mic pre a little bit to get a little more distortion. So you can hear, um, you get plenty of clarity, it sounds plenty fine, and I actually got more distortion because I could boost the mic preamp in here. So something to consider. I didn't have to, you know, go in and tweak the distortion less or more. I just boosted the gain on the mic preamp, and all of a sudden I've got more distortion on my guitar amp. So check it out. Here's the control first. And now what you're going to hear is running through the mic preamp, through a cable, to the reamp box, to the amp.
Sounds pretty good to me. And like I said, you can always boost the, uh, or turn the mic gain down if you want less gain sent out to the live room. Or turn your guitar volume down a little bit if you need a little less gain. Um, it's a really cool option that I think most of you probably have a mic preamp um, with a guitar input on it. And most of you probably have a direct box that's passive. And all you got to do is get a little adapter for that. And you already said, you already have all, the, all that you need for doing that. And that sounds great. So uh, happy guitar recording. I will talk to you guys very soon. And uh, again, if you have questions, find me on the Facebook page or email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys.